0: Is the Homestead Journey Podcast, the podcast dedicated to the pursuit of self sufficiency, self reliance, and sustainability? This is episode number 89 of the Homestead Journey Podcast. Welcome, everyone. Thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule to join us here on the Homestead Journey. My name is Brian Wells. I am coming to you from 3B Farm and Homestead here in beautiful upstate New York. And folks, it has just been a crazy week here on the Homestead. So really without further ado, let's jump right into this week's Homestead Happenings and I'll bring you up to speed with what we've been doing here on 3B Farm and Homestead. So folks, this week on The Homestead was a bit of a a wacky week. Uh, Simply part of that is because my brother, Keith, and sister-in-law, Tanya, and their family were in town visiting. And so I really tried to spend as much time as I could with them uh, because we don't get to see them that often. That was the first time I had seen them in about three years. And so again, a big time focus for me, especially during the first part of the week, they actually headed back. To Tennessee on Wednesday, but uh, over the weekend and then Monday and Tuesday, really the big part of the focus for us was spending time with them. And so, not a lot of homesteading related stuff happened uh, at the beginning of the week. One thing I did want to mention, though, as you may remember from last week's episode, last weekend we celebrated my mom and dad's 45th wedding anniversary. And so, we had a big, huge bonfire. And one of the things that we did was smoke uh, one of our turkeys that we raised last year. And folks, mm, it was so good; it was amazing. And I used some applewood. Uh, and generally speaking, people seem to like uh, maybe a little bit of a stronger type wood for smoking turkey. But I used applewood because that's what I had, and it was delicious. It was amazing. Really, really came out good, nice and moist. And uh, so anyhow, I just wanted to share that with you. On Monday, my brother Keith and my dad and I, we finished up. I should say finished up. We put in the floor in the master bedroom. You may remember from several months ago, the saga of the Uh, leaky windowsill, which led to some mold, which led to mold remediation and yada, 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 yada. And uh, my wife is so long suffering. She is absolutely a saint. And so finally uh, on Monday, my brother being in town and having just laid some uh, luxury vinyl tile in his basement Uh, He's doing a little bit of a remodel and putting his girl's bedroom actually down in the basement. And uh, so I had that expertise here. I took full advantage of it. And it was a lot of fun working with my dad and my brother uh, on that project. We got the flooring in. And then the rest of the week really was me focused on putting baseboard in, putting trim around windows. And we are starting to see the light at the end of the tunnel. Um, my wife has some trim to paint the trim around the doorways. We left that in place. And so we're going to paint that white to match the rest of it. And then folks, that room is done. Finally, like, what is this four months later? (laughs) Oh my goodness. It's been like the project that never ends, but, uh, that was a big part of this week was just really focused on that. So I really didn't get back to doing homesteading related stuff until yesterday. Um, yesterday I did some work in the chicken coop that I should have done a long time ago. And that is, I actually put legit pop doors in the chicken coop. When I built the permanent coop, I built it so that I could have pop doors on either side because I wanted some flexibility. Initially, when I built that, I thought I might have two chicken yards and divide the coop in half and have my older flock on one side and my younger flock on the other and Quite frankly, the the coop isn't big enough to handle that with the size flocks that we run here. Um, And so that never really worked out. But then what I started doing was using the one side. I had my rabbitry there, still have the rabbitry there, which is a hoop coop. And so we use that as the winter run. And then the bigger run, we would give them access to in the summertime. But I never really put pop doors in it. Uh, it's always just kind of been open and we've been having a little bit of a problem. I should say a little bit of a problem. Uh, unfortunately a big problem with rats, um, that configuration has just really seemed to call the rats in. And so in order to deal with that, I said, okay, we've got to close this up and deny them access to the inside of the coop. And so I put the pop doors in yesterday and uh, last night I went out there and at least my first night after putting the pop doors out there, not a rat in the coop. So hopefully um, this will start the process of dealing with some of that. Another thing that I did yesterday was I took that trailer that I purchased a couple of months ago and actually moved the uh, duck house onto the trailer. And so now the duck house is actually mobile. And so the ducks have been moved and uh, actually I have this fencing that I've been using uh, around the ducks. That was kind of one of the first homestead hack jobs <laughs> that my, my, my son would probably call um, when I was really getting in the, into kind of the idea of maybe rotational grazing, some things. Um, and this was I don't know, probably eight years ago. I ran across some plans where somebody had taken two by three wire welded fencing, and they had come up with kind of what I thought at the time was this ingenious uh, method of using pressure treated lumber to kind of create some um, fence posts that were portable by you, you kind of drilled holes in the legs. And you use spikes and it would hold them in place. And to me, I thought oh, this looks great. It's going to be more portable than putting t posts in the ground. But but I didn't build it right. And long story short, it's just been an absolute pain to move because the idea was the this frame that you would build with the pressure treated two by fours kind of slid through the fence, and then you would put the spikes through the feet, and that would hold things in place. My problem is that when I built it, I didn't drill the holes in the feet big enough. So when I put the spikes through, the spikes now are stuck. I can't get the spikes out without having to drive them out, which then means that you can't take the fence posts out of the fence, which just means that it takes the two by four welded wire fencing and it makes it that much heavier to move. So in essence, what I have to do every time is I have to kind of roll it up and it's a pain in the butt to roll up. And then I have to run a ratchet strap through it. And then I lift it with a tractor and I kind of back up and drag it to the next place where I want it to go. All of that to say is that portable fence is not really all that portable and it's a pain in the butt to move. And it really makes me appreciate the uh, Premier One fencing that I have way more than I did a couple of weeks ago when I moved it. (laughs) <laughs> and we'll talk about that here in a little bit. But uh, I did go ahead and get the ducks and the geese moved. And uh, so that was exciting and did some cleanup. And uh, so it was just a busy, long day yesterday. But uh, the, the the ducks and the geese are mobile. And uh, so check out Instagram and Facebook for some pictures. Uh, you will see our new mobile duck and goose house. Now, part of the problem with doing that is that now we have to train the ducks and the geese to walk up the ramp to get into their mobile coop, um, because it is raised up off the ground about two feet. So there's a ramp, about eight foot piece of plywood with some cleats on it. And yesterday, Bonnie and I chased the darn ducks and geese around that pen. Uh, (laughs) um, But They'll get it figured out. Uh, we've we've been here, done this uh before, and uh so hopefully, at least not with this crew, with some ducks that we had before, and they figured it out. And so hopefully, um, well, hopefully these these aren't too dumb. <laughs> Although I'm thinking about getting rid of them. So maybe all of this work was for nothing, but at least I'll have it for the future. Anyhow, so that's what's been going on here. On the homestead, the garden is looking well. I am getting back into my schedule of my ten minutes a day up there weeding, and uh, I'm going to try to keep keep ahead of these weeds. So far, so good. Even though last weekend I didn't spend any time at all in the garden, and when my family was here, I was just like weeds. If you get out ahead of me, oh well, blessings on you. I'll catch up at some point because, as I said in Friday's five minute Friday episode. Sometimes there's just more important things than weeds in the garden. All right, folks, let's head on over to this week's charting the course. So, on this week's charting the course, I am going to be starting what will be a regular segment here on the podcast. And so, my programming schedule is going to change a little bit. Up to this point, I've tried doing about a One interview episode per month, and then the rest of the episodes, the other three to four, depending on the number of uh, weeks in the month, have been topic-related. But I am going to start adding each month a Homestead product review episode. So it's going to be uh, an episode dedicated to the review of a product or related products, depending on what it is. This episode is kind of a group of related products. And generally speaking, it probably will be that. Uh, But depending on the item, it may be just one product per episode. Each month, I plan on having one interview episode, one product review episode, and then two to three uh, topic-related episodes, depending on the month. And if this is a bad idea, please let me know that. Um, my goal with this podcast is to be helpful to people. And we've talked a lot about how you spend your time and spending your time wisely and being efficient in the way that you spend your time. But the two biggest constraints with regards to homesteading is time and money. And so how you spend your dollars towards homesteading is also very important. And for some people, maybe that's even more important than the spending your time wisely component. And so my goal is to try to help you know, from my experience, what things I am happy that I purchased and what things I have a little bit of buyer's regret. And so again, my goal is to help you make an informed decision when it comes time to purchasing things for your homestead. Keep in mind that A lot of this really does end up being a your mileage may vary type thing, because some of this really does boil down to personal preference. What I might like, you may not like, and what you may like, may not like. And so some of this you do need to take with a grain of salt. Uh, What works well on one homestead may not work well on another homestead. And so I will try to just give you my experiences, the facts as I see them, try to give you as much information as possible. I will give you my recommendations, but if you have a difference of opinion or if something has worked well for you, or there's a reason why maybe something hasn't worked well for me, uh, maybe a hack that you've discovered or something that I'm doing wrong, certainly reach out to me and let me know that. And I will definitely provide any kind of corrections, updates uh, as necessary um, to be as helpful as possible to the listening audience. Before I jump into this week's review, I do want to just kind of make a little bit of a statement with regards to reviews in general. Doing some Homestead product reviews on this podcast has been something that I've been kind of thinking about for a while, but I haven't really done it because I kind of have a bit of a love-hate relationship with reviews in general. Um, prior to doing this podcast, I actually had a YouTube channel that was dedicated to traditional wet shaving. Now, if you're not familiar with traditional wet shaving, traditional wet shaving would be using brushes and soaps and straight razors and safety razors and those kinds of things. It's not using the crap in a can. Uh, It's not using the, you know, the Franken razors with 15 different blades. Um, It's kind of an old school shave like your grandpa type approach to wet shaving. And as part of that, I did product reviews. Um, We would do pass arounds where we would pass razors around for people to try. We would pass soaps around, aftershaves around. We would pass around um, bowls. uh, Basically, you name it, we would pass it around for people to try out. And so I had the opportunity to try a lot of things uh, that way. I had vendors send me things to try. I had uh, items that I purchased myself um, that I would review. and. One of the things that I discovered through that is that um, reviews, product reviews are not always easy. A part of that is in particular, if you have a relationship with the person that sent you the product. So in that particular space, uh, a lot of the people who are making soaps, it's mom and pop type thing. It's, It's somebody who um, maybe this is a side gig for them, or it may be the way that they feed their family. But it's maybe a husband and wife, a family. But it's not a big, huge enterprise. It's it's certainly not a Procter and Gamble by any stretch of the imagination that you are doing product reviews on most of the time. And so, a lot of times, you have relationships with these vendors, these artisans. Um, that is a little bit more personal than you would a relationship with a big vendor like a Procter & Gamble. And so that certainly at times affected or colored my review because I didn't want to give somebody, especially somebody that I liked, I didn't want to give them a bad review. Uh, If the product sucked, I didn't want to say that it sucked. But sometimes you have to be honest, or at least that's the whole point of the review, Right. So trying to navigate those waters can sometimes be very difficult. That's just what I'm trying to say. Um, The other piece to it as well is sometimes uh, what I found is that if I had purchased the product versus somebody giving me the product to try, uh, I think it's just human nature. Maybe it's just me, but this is me being honest, folks. It was difficult at times to take those things out of the equation because if i'm personally invested in the product i've paid my hard-earned money for it i'm going to hold that product maybe to a bit of a different standard than i would something that i'm given to try and again going back to that relationship thing um you know somebody gives you something to try i don't know again it just colors it another issue that i have with reviews and and this is reviews in general and this is not me sh- throwing shade at anybody in the homesteading Community, please don't take it that way. But a lot of times, what I would see is people would get a product and they would unbox it and give a review, or they would use it one time and give it a review. They would never fully test it out. Uh, And and again, folks, this is not me throwing shade at anybody. So please don't take this. This is me speaking in general terms. But back in the spring of this year, I I noticed that there were a number of well we'll say larger YouTubers who were providing reviews on a vertical garden thing of a Bobby, I'm calling. I don't remember what he's even called. It was like a garden tower. And they got it, they planted stuff into it and they, they provided a review. I have no idea what their relationship is with, with the, the vendor. I, I, nothing about that. And it doesn't matter. My point is, until you've used that for a full season, I don't understand how you can give it a review. And again, folks, I'm not casting shade. Please don't, don't take it in that way. It's just a matter of until you've used that planter for an entire season and you understand how well does it hand up to the heat? How well does it hand up to the cold? How often do you have to water with it? Uh, you know, Do the plants thrive? how does it compare to, okay, I plant lettuce in that and I plant lettuce in my garden, which does better. Those are the kinds of things that are of interest to me. Now, maybe it's not of interest to anybody else, but before I recommend that you go out and buy that versus planting in a bucket, those are the kinds of things that I want to look at. And Again, I, I feel kind of bad mentioning that because it almost gets too specific. And I have no interest at all in picking fights with anybody. All of those people are far more successful than I will ever be. Um, but the point is, I want things to be fully tested if somebody's going to give me a review. So I say all of that to tell you that. I'm going to offer you a pledge with regards to the reviews that I do. I will only review something after I have fully tested it. And by fully testing it, I want to get a season, whatever that season is out of it before I'm going to provide a review on it. Secondly, I will fully disclose to you the source of an item. Now, right now, the things that I have on my list of things to review are things that I have purchased. Okay, so nobody I have no uh, I have no affiliate relationships. I'm working on an affiliate relationship, actually, with one of the products that I highly recommend. Um, But currently, I have no affiliate relationships with anybody. So everything that I review is stuff that I have invested my hard earned money into, just like you as a homesteader would invest your hard earned money into it. But in the future, I do hope that changes, quite frankly. Um, And if it does change, I will ensure that I, uh, in the spirit of full disclosure, let you know that. Because again, my concern as a product reviewer is that I am honest in providing those reviews and I understand the potential for biases. And so I want you to understand that as well. Along with that, I will fully disclose to you, if I stand to make money off of a product, I want you to understand that while well, I have every intention of being brutally honest, I don't want to say brutally honest, but fair and balanced in my approach to reviewing a product, if there is a financial incentive for me to review a product, I want you to understand that, but I also want you to understand this, that I will never, I will never affiliate myself with a product that I don't believe in. If it's not a product that I use and enjoy and find helpful, I'm not going to affiliate with that. Folks, I've been doing this for a long time as a labor of love, and I am in the spirit of full disclosure, seeking to build affiliate relationships and so forth to help offset the costs of doing this podcast. Last year was my full first year of doing this podcast. And at the end of the year, when I sat down and I figured out how much it cost me to produce this podcast, I realized that I probably need to start focusing on generating at least a little bit of revenue from it um, to help offset those costs. And I'm not complaining, folks. This is a labor of love because I want to help people raise and grow food. But along with that, I do want to try to offset some of those costs, and so I am seeking some affiliate and working on some affiliate relationships. All of that to simply say, folks, I want you to have confidence that when I say something, that I mean what I say, I'm not blowing smoke, and that my reviews are legit. Okay, that took probably way too long for me to say without even saying anything about the product that we're going to review today. but. Let's jump right into it. Today, I am going to be reviewing my Premier One fencing system. I have a Premier One poultry net 12 by 48 by 3 and an IntelliShock 60 charger. And then I also have some fiber tough uh, 22 by 48 uh, step in posts that we're going to review on this podcast today. I purchased these Brand new back in 2018, right from Premier One. Uh, I've used them for meat chickens. I've used them for standard breed chickens. I've used them for ducks and geese. And I've actually used it at times to put it around my garden as kind of a bit of a temporary perimeter fence. I stored in the winter in my, well, I, I was storing it in my garage. Now I stored under the pole barn, wrapped up. I have not done as well storing the charger as I probably should have, which has led to less than optimal battery life. Um, That's on me, not on them. Um, And so definitely, if you're going to get one of these, follow the manufacturer's instructions with regards to winter storage. Um, But I have not done that. And so consequently, I've literally paid the price. So the way that I have been using it is I get it out in the spring for my meat chickens. I use it around the meat chickens until they go to freezer camp. About at that point, the young pullets, my standard breed pullets are ready to move outdoors. And so I will use it then around the standard breed pullets for the remainder of the season uh, until They start laying and I dress off my other hens in the fall. And then at that point, pretty much I wrap it up and I put it away. I, again, I have used it. Um, At one point, I used it around my garden space in the fall. I put geese and ducks on it. Um, So I got a little bit of an extra usage out of it, but pretty much it goes around my meat birds, standard bird, standard breed birds, and then it goes back into storage. I have used it on uneven ground. And pr- predominantly, that's how I use it. I actually use it in semi-wooded areas, um, which is not where it shines. And we'll talk about that in a little bit. Uh, and then I have used it on more flat, even ground uh, around the garden spots, which is a little bit more level. And uh, and certainly that works better than on the w- semi-wooded, uneven area. So the things that I like about the poultry net. I love the fact that it's portable and I kind of have a love hate relationship with it um, because it sometimes can be a, feel a little bit heavy, especially if you're not in even ground um, it snags on stuff. If you're in a semi wooded area, um, but compared to that field fencing that I moved, as I talked about earlier for the ducks and geese, this is far more portable uh, and it can be set up relatively quickly um, even in a uneven ground semi-wooded area, it still doesn't take that long to get it set up. It works very, very well with the ducks and the geese and the older standard breed, we'll say full-size chickens. Uh, it's, and it's fairly durable. I mean, I'm going in, this is my fourth season and really the, the netting itself looks almost brand new. What don't I like about it? Well, it certainly has a tendency to tangle. The spikes get kind of caught up in the netting sometimes, and it doesn't seem to me how careful I am in trying to make sure that I I get things kind of lined up properly. When I go to undo it, Uh, it just seems like things have gotten tangled up. And I'm not the only one that uh, has complained about this. I have some other friends that uh, use this fencing and they have the same complaint that I do. Now, on the other hand, I don't move it very often. So perhaps practice makes perfect. I certainly know that Justin Rhodes and some of the people on YouTube who move it very frequently, they make it seem very, very easy. Uh, And maybe there's some tips and tricks that I would learn a little bit more uh, from doing it on a, on a more regular basis, but it just seems to just have a tendency to, to tangle. As I said earlier, it works great on level land when you're setting it up in a rectangle. It doesn't work well on uneven ground and it doesn't work well in semi-wooded areas. And it doesn't work very well when you're not setting it up in more of a rectangular square area because it's just difficult to get tension on it to keep it from sagging. It does not work well in rocky soil. Um, Now, I have the single spike, not the double spike. Uh, The reason why I got the single spike is because it is supposed to work better in rocky ground Uh, but it certainly at times can be a pain in the butt to get those in the ground. As I mentioned earlier, it does, and maybe I'm just a wimp. That's probably what it is, but it just feels a little bit on the heavy side. Now I have, I think it's 164 feet um, roll. Maybe I should have gone with a smaller uh, IT desk jockey uh, roll. I don't know the 82 foot roll, Um, but the role that I have at times does feel a little bit heavy, especially when you're on uneven ground in a semi wooded area. And my biggest complaint with it is it does not work well with the smaller breed uh, or younger standard breed chickens. So, and they say that on the website. So in all fairness, they do disclose that it does not work well with chicks, but it doesn't seem to me, unless maybe I'm missing it, and I could be missing it. And if you, if, if you know of, of an option that they have that has smaller squares, let me know. It just doesn't seem to me that they have something that deals with that very well. And so I would love to see them offer something that has a little bit of a smaller square in it uh, to keep smaller breed birds. So if you've got bantams, this isn't going to work at all for you. Uh, and in that transitional stage, I w- I would love to see something that um, maybe has a little bit of a different square. On to the charger. Now, the charger that I have is the IntelliShock 60. The IntelliShock 60 is uh, a portable fence charger that comes with a grounding set of spikes. So you're supposed to drive that in the ground, slide the uh, charger onto it, and then you clip the ground to the spikes that are about maybe 12 inches long. um, And then you clip the hot wire to the fence itself. I don't care for this charger much. What do I like about it? I love the fact that it is relatively easy to install where you just put those spikes in the ground. You're supposed to be able to clip to it, clip to the fence, bada bing, bada boom. You're supposed to be good to go. And I love the fact that it does have an adjustable solar panel so that as the sun changes distance in the sky, you can alter it to collect maximum amount of energy from the sun. Well, it just doesn't seem to me, and maybe it's the type of ground that I have, the fact that it's a little bit more uh, rocky, um, and maybe that could be the issue. I think maybe it is but it doesn't have that much of a bite. And again, I think part of the issue is the grounding issue. I think it probably would work better if I used one of those uh, T grounding rods that they have um, and clipped to that, that may work better. And I may get one of those are not that expensive and just try it out and see if the bite increases from it. Uh, but even without the ground, even making sure that it's not grounding out anywhere. It just doesn't seem to generate a lot of, a lot of bite. And I do think that it is a grounding issue, but they advertise this as working with those though with the, but in my defense, they do advertise this to work with that grounding clip. Uh, And so I don't know. Um, I just don't care for, I don't care for that piece of it. Price-wise, it also seems to be a little bit more expensive than a comparable one that I bought at tractor supply. Now the one from tractor supply, I did need to buy grounding rods for it. It doesn't come with a grounding clip. Um, But even still uh, the one from tractor supply, when you compare even buying the grounding rods does come in quite a bit cheaper than this one from Premier 1. And the one from Tractor Supply, I actually have in even a more shaded spot than the one from Premier 1, this IntelliShock 60. And it maintains a charge and a bite far superior than this IntelliShock. Moving on to the step-in posts, what do I like about them? I love the step-in functionality. In fact, I wish the fence itself had it, except for the fact that I also realized that if it had step-in functionality, it would tangle even more. So be careful what you wish for. But being able to step in those posts, it just makes things so much easier than me having to jiggle and jockey around with those posts in the fencing itself. The step-in posts are light and portable, they're durable, and they are fairly cheap. They are about the same price as a comparable T-post, but obviously easier to install. What don't I like about them? At times, I wish they were a little bit more rigid because when I'm trying to apply tension to my electric fence, um, sometimes what ends up happening is instead of there being tension applied to the fence... The tension is applied to the post. The post bows over and my fence sags, um, continues to sag. So what are my final thoughts? Well, let's start with the fencing. First of all, my recommendation is that you buy the correct fence for the application. Um, I wish that I had drivable posts. I don't know if Premier One was selling drivable posts when I purchased my fencing. If I were to buy fencing now, I would buy the option that they have that has drivable posts. Even though it does cost more, the fence is shorter. I think it would work better in my situation to get the posts in the ground. As I look at my complaints with regards to the fencing, Uh, My issues by and large with the fencing have been using it in ways or in areas that it probably wasn't designed for. So make sure that you buy the correct fence for your application. As I did say earlier, I do wish that there was an option that did work better with smaller breeds or younger standard breeds. I don't think they have that available, but if I'm wrong on that, certainly point me in the correct direction. And I will be glad to update this, but I've looked over their website and I don't see an option that works with the smaller breeds or the younger standard breeds. And I wish they did have that. But overall, I'm very happy with the fence. Uh, I think it's well worth the investment. And I would recommend if you are looking for a portable poultry fence, I would certainly recommend that you buy their fence. On to the Charger. The Charger to me is a not buy. I would not recommend you buy it. Personally, I think you'd be better off getting one from Tractor Supply. I think it's cheaper. Yes, you've got to get grounding rods, but even with this one from uh, Premier One, I really think you're better off buying the, at least my theory is, uh, that you would be better off buying a grounding rod with it anyhow. And so I think based on the cost of it, the functionality, to a certain extent, it feels chintzy compared to the one that I have from Tractor Supply. The big upside to it is that it does install easier. The one from Tractor Supply does install on a T-post. So you have to drive a T-post and then set that on on the T-post. The one from IntelliShock 60 does have the adjustable solar panel. So that is a nicer feature. But overall, I would go with the one from Tractor Supply. I think it's cheaper. It just feels better made, at least to me. Um, we'll see longevity, how it holds up. I'm not offering a full review on this one from uh tractor supply. This is my first season using it, but so far it just seems to be, it just feels better. You know how you pick something up and you said, this feels chintzy. This feels well-made to me. The one from the Intellishock 60 feels chintzy. The one from tractor supply feels well-made maybe over time. My perspective will change. Um, but again, Based on my experience thus far with the IntelliShock 60, I would not recommend you buy it. As far as the FiberTuff step-in posts, I like them. They do cost about as much as the t posts. They're certainly not as rigid, but because of the fact that they're so portable, they're so easy to install, I'd recommend them. So hopefully you found this helpful. Uh, if you have any questions, uh, let me know. If you disagree with me, let me know. If you think I'm dead wrong, let me know. This is my opinion based on my experiences. I would highly recommend the fence, highly recommend the step in posts, the Energizer, not so much. Brian can be reached by emailing him at brian at the homesteadjourney.net or by contacting him via our social media accounts on Facebook, Instagram, or YouTube. If you've enjoyed this episode and you'd like to support this podcast, we invite you to become a member of the supporting listeners program for $10 a month or $100 per year. You will receive access to a community of like-minded individuals via a private Facebook group, at least one monthly live Q and a with Brian, the opportunity to participate in live recordings of the podcast, access to an ever expanding library, helpful homesteading content, and so much more. Head on over to support.thehomesteadjourney.net for more information and to sign up today. As always, the music on this episode was provided by audionautics.com. So a big shout out to them. And until next time, everybody, keep up the good work.